circumstances affecting criminal liability. Justifying Circumstances Article 11. What are the requisites for the justifying circumstance of self-defense? To successfully invoke the justifying circumstance of self-defense the following requisites must be present. 1. Unlawful aggression. 2. Reasonable necessity of the means employed to prevent or repel it. 3. Lack of sufficient provocation on the part of the person defending himself. An accused who invokes self-defense has the burden to prove all the aforesaid elements, the most important of which is unlawful aggression. Being the basic requirement in a plea of self-defense, unlawful aggression must be proved first in order for self-defense to be successfully pleaded, whether complete or incomplete. If the victim did not commit unlawful aggression against the accused, the latter has nothing to prevent or repel and the other two requisites of self-defense would have no basis for being appreciated. Unlawful aggression contemplates an actual, sudden, and unexpected attack or an imminent danger of such attack. As case law puts it, there can be no self-defense unless the victim committed unlawful aggression against the person who resorted to self-defense. A mere threatening or intimidating attitude is not enough. The victim must attack the accused with actual physical force or with a weapon. Upon invoking the justifying circumstance of self-defense, the accused assumed the burden of proving the justification of his act with clear and convincing evidence. This is because his having admitted the killing required him to rely on the strength of his own evidence, not on the weakness of the prosecution's evidence, which, even if it were weak, could not be disbelieved in view of his admission. What are the elements of the justifying circumstance of defense of relative? There are three elements, to wit. 1. There was unlawful aggression on the part of the victim. 2. There was reasonable necessity of the means employed to prevent or repel it. 3. In case of provocation given by the person being attacked, the person making defense had no part therein. Is retaliation the same with self-defense? No retaliation is not the same as self-defense. In retaliation, the aggression that was begun by the injured party already ceased when the accused attacked him, while in self-defense the aggression was still existing when the aggressor was injured by the accused. Exempting circumstances, how can the defense of insanity be appreciated as an exempting circumstance in the commission of the crime? The defense of insanity is in the nature of confession and avoidance because an accused invoking the same admits to have committed the crime but claims that he or she is not guilty because of such insanity. As there is a presumption in favor of sanity, anyone who pleads the said defense bears the burden of proving it with clear and convincing evidence. Accordingly, the evidence on this matter must relate to the time immediately preceding or simultaneous with the commission of the offense with which he is charged. When insanity exists, insanity exists when there is a complete deprivation of intelligence while committing the act, i.e., when the accused is deprived of reason, he acts without the least discernment because there is a complete absence of power to discern, or there is total deprivation of freedom of the will. Mere abnormality of the mental faculties is not enough, especially if the offender has not lost consciousness of his acts. Insanity is evinced by a deranged and perverted condition of the mental faculties and is manifested in language and conduct. Thus, in order to lend credence to a defense of insanity, it must be shown that the accused had no full and clear understanding of the nature and consequences of his or her acts. What are the requisites in order to avail the exempting circumstance that the accused acted under the impulse of an uncontrollable fear of an equal or greater injury? To avail of this exempting circumstance, the evidence must establish 1. The existence of an uncontrollable fear, 2. That the fear must be real and imminent, and 3. The fear of an injury is greater than or at least equal to that committed, 
A threat of future injury is insufficient. The compulsion must be of such a character as to leave no opportunity for the accused to escape. Mitigating Circumstances Article 13. How can voluntary surrender be considered as a mitigating circumstance in the commission of a crime? A surrender to be voluntary must be spontaneous, showing the intent of the accused to submit himself unconditionally to the authorities either because he acknowledges his guilt, or b he wishes to save them the trouble and expense necessarily incurred in his search and capture. What is the essence of voluntary surrender? To save the authorities the trouble and expense that may be incurred for his search and capture is the essence of voluntary surrender. The presentation by appellant of himself to the police officer on duty in a spontaneous manner is a manifestation of this intent. Aggravating Circumstances Article 14. How should the use of unlicensed firearm be appreciated in the crimes of murder or homicide? The High Court held that, the use of unlicensed firearm if alleged in the information, is considered as special aggravating circumstance. It should be appreciated in the imposition of penalty. Presidential Decree No. 1866, 59 as amended by Republic Act No. 8294, treats the unauthorized use of a licensed firearm in the commission of the crimes of homicide or murder as a special aggravating circumstance. Can the aggravating circumstance of dwelling be considered against the accused when he did the firing of the gun from the outside of the house? Yes. In People v. Hugueda it was held that, Dwelling is aggravating because of the sanctity of privacy which the law accords to human abode. He who goes to another's house to hurt him or do him wrong is more guilty than he who offends him elsewhere. In People v. Cebu, although the triggerman fired the shot from outside the house and his victim was inside, dwelling was still appreciated as an aggravating circumstance. The Supreme Court said, for this circumstance to be considered, it is not necessary that the accused should have actually entered the dwelling of the victim to commit the offense. It is enough that the victim was attacked inside his own house, although the assailant may have devised means to perpetrate the assault from without. Can the aggravating circumstance of the use of firearm be appreciated even if it is not recovered? Yes. In People v. Agcanis Supra, it was held that the aggravating circumstance of illegal possession of firearm was likewise properly appreciated, even though the firearm used was not recovered. The High Court further said that in People v. Taguba, the actual firearm itself need not be presented if its existence can be proved by the testimonies of witnesses or by other evidence presented. Thus, in Agkanas, Beatrice Rogwirig testified that she saw the accused holding a gun and then heard a gunshot. The post-mortem examination also showed that the accused died of a gunshot wound. Hence, the presentation of the actual firearm was not indispensable to prove its existence and use. When can there be treachery in the commission of a crime? It was held that, there is treachery when the offender commits any of the crimes against persons, employing means, methods, or forms in the execution, which tend directly and specially to ensure its execution, without risk to the offender arising from the defense which the offended party might make. What is the essence of treachery? The High Court ruled that, the essence of treachery is the sudden and unexpected attack by the aggressor on an unsuspecting victim, depriving him of any real chance to defend himself. Even when the victim was forewarned of the danger to his person, treachery may still be appreciated since what is decisive is that the execution of the attack made it impossible for the victim to defend himself or to retaliate. Alternative Circumstances Article 15. Alternative circumstances are those which must be taken into consideration as aggravating or mitigating according to the nature and effects of the crime and the other conditions attending its commission. 
They are the relationship, intoxication, and the degree of instruction and education of the offender. Thanks for watching. Follow me on my other social media accounts at Miss underscore Nota Vini. Be sure to subscribe and click on the bell icon to be notified whenever I post. Have you more questions regarding my law school experience or have any recommendations for my next videos? Leave a comment below. See you on the next one.